CKNW News Time, 9.07. I'm Gord McDonald. Thank you, Gord, and thank you for joining us here on the John McComb Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I don't think I have to introduce you to Red Robinson. If you have uh, listened to radio, if you've watched television in this town for uh, very many years, you know who Red Robinson is. But for those who might not be fully aware, um, let me tell you about Red Robinson. He was instrumental in in introducing Canada to rock and roll. That's a good way to start off your resume, huh? Yeah. Introduce Canada to rock and roll, starting out as a high school disc jockey uh, for CJOR Radio back in the day. He later worked for CKWX. He went down to work at uh, KGW Radio in Portland, Oregon. He's worked with the CBC, KVOS, CIL, CFUN. Clearly, here's a guy who can't hold down a full-time job. Uh, he became a wildly popular celebrity in his own right, uh, and it's not... Uh, um, too far out to say that uh, Red Robinson is a true Vancouver icon. Uh, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland in 1995, the Canadian Broadcast Hall of Fame in 1997, and was appointed to the Order of Canada just this year, 2016. And uh, what a great honor that is. Well, Rod, uh, Red has a new book uh, co-written with Robin Brunet. It's called The Last DJ. And uh, we were able to catch up with uh, Red just a day or so ago to find out more about the book. Red, The Last DJ, uh, is a story of, of your life, basically. It is. But the intent of it all, John, thank you for asking. But the intent was that the, it's in the end of an era. Mm-hmm. You know, the Frosty Force, to Fred Lachimos, myself, on a local scene. It doesn't matter which city you go into, except for the morning shows. The DJ is, you know, part of history now. So I thought, why, why don't we write it? And what inspired me, and Robin was with me when I, I played it for him, Tom Petty had a song out called The Last DJ. Yes. Plays what he wants to play, says what he wants to say, and the boys upstairs don't get it at all. <laughs> yeah. So that inspired me. I thought, that's true. This is the end of an era. And uh, so my wife said to me, don't make the next book a night of a thousand eyes. I did this. I did that. So, uh, and, and I said, no, it's not going to be like that. And, and Robin, you thought the concept was right. We'll just go through the journey, right? Absolutely. Uh, I, I, that's exactly what this book was. And, and we wanted to focus in on the broadcasting community as it was. Uh, um, and we just took it from there. We kind of winged it. It was fun. John will tell you, he's been around almost, as, no, not quite as long as I have. But it's been a great ride, hasn't it? Go back and, and talk about that. Because before there was an Internet and before there were iPhones and before technology you know, became what it became, it, there was radio and there was television. And yep. radio was uh, one of the most, if not the most, creative and fantastic medium. Yeah, it was, and it was theater of the mind. Talk to a lot of actors, and they'll tell you they loved the days when they could do radio acting. Yes. They loved radio because it, it, it was so imaginative. You uh, you could imagine what was going on better than you could visualize it. Yeah. And w- w- what got you involved in the Because you've been doing this since... You were like two years old or something. Did you get into the business when you were two? Yeah, they put a mic inside my crib. (laughs) And I went, goo, goo, goo. No, no. I I phoned. There was an afternoon show uh, with Al Jordan, who was a fantastic announcer and a good friend. 
and uh, he uh, he had the kids on and everything. But it was a half hour show, and I used to go along around the radio dial because I love radio, and I thought I'll do this. I'll, I'll phone Al. And uh, it, it, because here, Jimmy Stewart was in town. You know how the actors always came up here. Yep. So I phoned up and said, hi, I love the Jimmy Stewart. And he believed me. <laughs> he believed me. And, and, and I went on. And uh, the next day, Jack Wasserman, who was a great columnist in this town, yes. wrote, wasn't that nice of Jimmy Stewart, the actor, to call the kid show? <laughs> and then I waited a few days. And, um, and, and it, I, I'm not going to make it long, but... I waited and I thought I better do that again, uh, but I won't do Jimmy Stewart again. So I phoned him and said, "Hello, Al. This is Peter Lorre. The fat man wants the black bird." He said, "Did you call in as Jimmy Stewart?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Come on down." And that's where it started for me. I started writing skits and everything. Wow! And then you, rock and roll happened. Oh gosh! And yeah. you were you were riding the the crest of that wave from the minute it uh, it appeared. Yeah, and it was simple. I was going to King Edward High School. And even the proms and everything, they were playing Glenn Miller. And I like Glenn Miller. That's not the point. But what did we like? There was a little place on the corner of Oak and Broadway called the Oakway. had a big jukebox, and he played rhythm and blues. And all the kids loved the rhythm and blues, but they couldn't, you know, couldn't get it at school. So I thought, I'm going to buy these. And I used to go downtown here to either Kelly's or Ward's. I think it was Ward's. And I'd ask for something by Lloyd Price. Or Ruth Brown. Yeah. And they'd hand it to me in a brown envelope like it was pornography. <laughs> they were called race records. You know yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I'd take them back and play them uh, play them on the air. It's interesting because Bill Haley and the Saddle Men, before Bill Haley in the comments, had the first chartered rock and roll hit, uh, which came out in 1953 called Crazy Man Crazy. And, uh, and so it was a, I, I could feel it at, at that young age that something new was happening, and I was right on top of it. You're right. And uh, you became, I mean, I think you were one of the youngest DJs in ever. Ma- in a major city, yeah. 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 And rode that, and you're, you're still doing it. Well, I, you know, it's a passion, uh, John. I mean, radio is a passion. It is with you. I know that. Uh, if you have a passion for something like Robin has for writing, uh, you, you can't just quit and, and not do it. You know, you, you want to go gardening, you want to go farming, <laughs> you'll go every day, why aren't I in front of a mic <laughs> or whatever. I've got something to say, <laughs> and the plants aren't listening. Yeah. Tell me about uh, some of the big the big stars, the the biggest, Presley, the Beatles. I mean, you were there for all of that. You oh, were, yeah. You introduced them and brought them to town and... I still do it. I I think, Robin, you like the story about Johnny Cash, didn't you? I love the story about Johnny Cash, but I love the story about Johnny Carson as well. Oh, that's right. I'll tell, I'll tell John that and the audience. Uh, I went down. Johnny Carson came to town twice to Vancouver. Not to perform, but he had, uh, a, you know, a sponsorship with the Swanson Food Company and also, I forget the name of the, the clothing manufacturer. Anyway, Swanson Food people threw it and they were going to open some restaurants here. And Julius Balshine, who, uh, you know, owned the uh, Royal Towers in U.S. Mister, mm-hmm. he, he had the rights to it. So they had a press conference, and Johnny was there. So I go down, and um, I, I, I can't remember who was with me, another, another man from the advertising business. And uh, the, the conference was over, and it was like 1140. I said, you know, I'm not leaving here till I go down and say hello to Johnny Carson. I'm such a big fan. And I walked up to him and said, Mr. Carson. Uh, I, I'm I'm a big fan, and uh, uh, I, you know, just I just love your show at night. And he said, "What are you doing for lunch?" I said, "What? What are you doing for lunch?" I said, "Well, with all the Swanson people, 
you know, you want to go with them? He said, you think I want to have lunch with a bunch of suits? <laughs> <laughs> and so we went into the, we were at the Bayshore, so we went into the coffee shop they had then, and we sat there in a booth and had lunch. And uh, he regaled me with incredible stories. Oh, but what a guy. Oh, and, uh, you know, he, he told me stories about Groucho and people that he admired. Red Robinson, his brand new book, The Last DJ, uh, written with uh, Robin Brunet, will uh, continue our discussion with the icon, Red Robinson, after this. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is the John McComb Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Red Robinson presided over the birth and the heyday of rock and roll and rock radio. And he details those days in a new book called The Last DJ, written by Robin Brunet. We caught up with Red and Robin just a day or so ago. Of all the things that have changed about radio, what really stands out for you? I mean, we talked a bit about the technology and that, but is it as fun as it used to be? Is it no. as freewheeling as it used to be? No. And, uh, you know, there's too many uh, restrictions. Uh, I put it this way. It's like a football game. There's too many coaches. You only need one coach. You don't need a bunch. And uh, I like the times when I started out. Uh, you either got the ratings or you're out in the street. Yeah. I like to live like that. I'm sorry. That's how I am on the edge. And uh, I, I knew I could produce uh, the numbers. And I did. And I think that's true of everyone that uh, was a DJ at the time. My hero was Jack Cullen, who was a rascal and a risk taker. Uh, even broadcast a show, The Owl Prowl, from uh, prison one time. Uh, you know, he got arrested because he never paid his speeding tickets. <laughs> so he's in jail and he's having a ball. He's, and I thought, isn't this carefree? So you either got the numbers or you're out in the street. But you know what? We could go in and pick our own music and look and see what the numbers were after. And I, because of my age, I knew what the kids listening to me wanted to hear, and I played it. But I must tell you, if you've got time, John, for a very funny Cullen story. Absolutely. Jack had a record store down uh, uh, on, uh, in those days, Hastings Street. And he would tape the Ed Sullivan show. Well, Elvis was appearing there uh, on three appearances. And he did a, um, uh, Elvis did a song called Ready Teddy. Ready, set, you know, the old Anyway, I, the kids were phoning my radio show saying, where's Ready Teddy? And I knew they were listening to Cullen at night, right? So I, there was, I had an audience, studio audience in those days. That was mm -hmm. great. So I, a kid in the audience that I knew, I said, look, here's some money. Go down to Cullen's record store and get a copy of Ready Teddy. Yeah. Well, as you know, he illegally taped and yes. then cut you records in the store and sold it to you. Yes, for many years. Yes. So the, the record came back, and the kid rushed in with it, and I'm on the air, and I'm talking. And he hands me the record, so I cue it up while I'm talking. And uh, uh, it goes, ready, set, go. My and then there's a bridge in the middle. In the middle of the bridge, it says... Hi, this is Jack Cullen. You can buy <laughs> you can buy this record at Cullen's Record Store. <laughs> yes, that sounds like the Jack Cullen I knew. For you gotta sure. love him, <laughs> Robin. Why? Uh, what What attracted you about this project about writing Red Robinson's story? Uh, well, it was it was uh, uh, good fortune. Uh, I come from out east, and and uh, unfortunately for 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 many Canadians uh, uh, east of the Rockies, I don't know who Red Robinson is, which uh, which is very strange. So I was one of these people uh, when I came here uh, uh, 30, 40 years ago. 
uh, I knew Red not as a broadcaster, but uh, as a host of, of Red's Classic Theater. That's right. how I knew him. In any event, I was writing a, a, a biography of uh, the ad man Frank Palmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I had to interview Red because Red used to be a, a very prominent ad man in Vancouver. Absolutely. And, and he and I hit it off. I, I just thought, well, you know, what a, what a nice guy, genuinely nice guy. You always get suspicious of nice guys when you hear that they're nice. They're, they're, they're not really. <laughs> and Red was, Red was a real deal. I mean, we hit it off from, from the, the moment we saw each other. Concurrently, um, Dean Maley, uh, who I work with, uh, was developing a Red Robinson app. And he thought it would be a great idea to, to write a, uh, a full-length biography that, so it could be marketed with, with the app. And Red and I thought it was a, a good idea. But we took the book in a, in a different direction. Mm-hmm. It could, but that was, the, uh, that was the impetus. I mean, it was literally a case where Red and I just, let's, let's have a ball. You know, I've, uh, you know uh, I've got a certain amount of professional credits as a writer. He's obviously, you know... Uh, uh, a broadcaster without compare. Uh, let's combine the two and and let's have fun with this book. Let's, and we did. Yeah. What do you what What do you want readers to take away from this? I want readers, and I would like millennials because a lot of people that listen to Red Robinson on the air are millennials. They're they're not aging baby boomers. That's a, a very that's a misconception that a lot of people have. I would like any millennial reading this book to be inspired by the drive and a ferocious drive that Red has. I mean, he comes across as somebody that's amiable and good-hearted and good-natured, and he is. But but governing his entire life and his career is this, this ferocious drive to succeed. And I, I honestly think, in a, in in many cases, that's missing mm-hmm. from the younger from the younger crowd. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm being prejudiced there, but so if 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 they're reading the book, I, I would love for them to be inspired simply by Red Robinson's story. Well, there's a lot to be inspired <laughs> with. My gosh, absolutely. The, the, there's a the, the list of of accomplishments is 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 pages long. What do you hope people take from this, Red? Uh, if you have a dream, follow it. I tell young people that all the time. If, if, you know, don't let anyone discourage you. You think you want to do it, you'll do it. And sure, you're going to have some failures along the way. What you should do is just, you know, pull up your boots and move on to something else. Uh, not, not a different career change, but a different uh, place to hang your hat. Uh, and I think that's what I wanted out of the book, you know, because that, that's been my whole life. Uh, and I had a, a mother who said, look, whatever you want to do, I'll, I'll back you up. And she was a single mother at that time, so uh, it was amazing. Uh, and so I went ahead, and I had I had my family on my side. You know what I mean? So that counted. And you know, I, one thing I wanted to mention, John: people like uh, Michael Bublé and Jimmy Patterson and, and Bruce Allen uh, have endorsed the book on the back and uh, front cover. And I wanted to thank them, and this is an opportunity to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Red Robinson, uh, the new book. Called The Last DJ, written uh, by Robin Brene alongside Red Robinson. And I'm not in the habit of promoting uh, other guys' radio shows on my show. <laughs> it's a competitive thing, you understand. But Red Robinson is still spinning tunes and still talking on the radio uh, after all these years, every Sunday on Sea Isle from noon until 4. And uh, Red, thanks for coming in. And all the best uh, with The Last DJ. 
Coming up new, uh, next, it's the News to 930 on News Talk 980 CKNW.